Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. This was supposed to be the communion message for Sunday, but it's not Sunday, it's Monday. Life happens. It's how it is. So I'm doing it on Monday. I think that'll be okay, right? But what's funny is I keep... (laughs) What kept stopping me from doing this is this thought of, you know, communion or something like this is only for Sundays. And uh, I recognize that those are just old patterns, old patterns of, of thought, old patterns of my idea of what religion and faith and all that can be. And it's make, been making me laugh this whole morning because, you know, there's so many things that It's like coming to, to God has to be this certain way and done on this certain time frame and, and that, you know, reading your Bible or having a quote-unquote church service has to be in a building and, or have someone who is, a, who is a pastor or somebody leading it. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's just... I don't like using certain words a lot, but just that feeling of, of just silly. It's just such a silly idea. You know, we can we can do this whenever we want, wherever we want, right? I mean, and that's that's kind of one of the themes of of Jesus, you know, is that it, it it's kinda everywhere. What I mean by it, you know, this trying to connect with the divine trying to worship I know whatever that's a triggering word for me worship um, whatever that means for you guys but we can do it where we want to when we want to and how we want to we don't have to do it a certain way I think it's more that we're showing up versus how we do it you know so yeah here we go it's the communion message on a Monday today uh, for communion there's a couple of thoughts that I've been having and I'm not so much going to, I will use the Bible a little bit, and I'll get to why I'm not really using the Bible in a second, uh, but for some of this, the communion message is kind of like a two-parter. I'm going to start it today with, with this thought on a specific chapter in the Bible, and for those of you that want to read it, it's, I'm just going to be using Luke 15. And I'm going to be using Luke 15. I'm going to specifically today be talking about the prodigal son parable. And then next week I'm going to finish with the other two parables in this chapter, um, the lost coin and the lost sheep. And I just, I think that like, for a lot of reasons that this chapter is one of the most powerful chapters on how Jesus taught and what he was trying to show us and show the people during the t- uh, this time. And the prodigal son parable is last, but I was kind of hit with inspiration. So I'm starting with that, and then I'm going to end with the beginning. So, but the first thing I want to talk about is just something that's been kind of like on my mind a lot this weekend, and it's just kind of this... 
I don't know, it's a call for people that are listening that have been doing what doing deconstruction of their faith. Um, that's such a hot word right now, deconstruction. And it's, it's getting a lot of people in the Christian world all up in a tizzy, as people always do in when there's something that's taking, when everyone's thinking about a word or, you know, when Andy Stanley said Jesus drew circles instead of lines and, you know, people are deconstructing their faith. Oh my God, what does it all mean? Ah, everyone freaks out. And for me, I think everyone should be deconstructing their faith at some point because we're not static creatures, right? Who I am today is not who I was one year ago today. There's a few things that I keep. But, but we're not. We can go on our physical level and talk about how we essentially have new skin every seven years and our cells are always regrowing and dying and all of that stuff. I mean, our hair, our nails, all of that. And I'm not going to get into the weeds with those, but, but we're, we're experiencing life in different ways because we're growing. We're changing. We're seeing things in a new way. And so I think we should always, if, if, if walking in this way, is something that you're a part of. I think you should be deconstructing, asking the questions. Do I really believe that? Do I need this? Is this important to me? All those things. It's a very powerful thing. But I think for me, what I realized is I've been out of that. I thought I was still in the deconstruction mindset because there's a lot of things that I don't want to believe and don't want to, to add to my my engaging with the Bible, engaging with this narrative of learning, walking with faith and all that stuff, because there's a lot that I don't want to. And I think, oh, I'm still in deconstruction. But but I realize that I'm not in that phase anymore, that I'm in the reconstruction phase. And I don't think that many people are talking about reconstruction when it comes to faith, when it comes to your walk with the divine or re-engaging with, with church and God and however you do it, because... You know, deconstruction is such a sexier word. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm deconstructing my faith. And, and it's cool. I think I'm not trying to make fun of it, but we don't talk about what happens after, you know, because reconstruction is, I think, where the, the real deep work begins, you know, because anybody can tear down a house, right? I could go and start tearing down a house. That's easy. But to rebuild on that foundation is... I mean, that takes some skill. And so I think for us that are in that phase, don't let your life become about just total deconstruction. Like, build something on it. What do you believe now? What do you want? What do you want to believe? What do you want to bring with you? And what do you want to let go of? And how is it going to look now? Great, you've, you've deconstructed your faith. You, you've asked the hard questions. You've let go of the things. You've... You've walked away. Okay. And, and if you still get that itch, because some people don't get that itch. Some people just want to walk away and, and, and never, never come back. And that's totally cool. That's totally fine because a lot of us in church that have been a part of a church are, part, are, are some of these really intense systems of, of faith and thought. We're left with really deep, deep wounds that are hard to come back to. And it's okay to let go of it and never come back. 
but I think if if you still want it, or if you're not coming back because you feel like you can't have it, I don't know, I just feel like there is always an option and it doesn't have to look like you want it to or what it was. It doesn't have to look like it was. It could be whatever you want it to be. And for me, that's where I'm at. For me, I'm, I'm reconstructing and rebuilding what I want, what I want my walk with the divine to be, what I want a relationship with God and with this to be. And so that's my hope for you guys that are, I don't know, struggling with it or thinking about it. Like there is a way to rebuild and I hope that you guys can find it. So with that, I'm going to go into the communion. And as always, I want to start with a pause for me to, to refocus and to get where I, the space that I want to be. So I'm going to pause for a few seconds. Okay, now like I said earlier, the passage I'm going to be using today is the prodig prodigal son parable, and it's Luke 15, 11 through 32. And this has been one of my favorite parables. I mean, it's a lot of everybody's favorite parables. It's just a great story of, of the love of a father and a son. And it's used a lot, and... It's helped me to kind of like frame how I want to be a father, how I want my son to look at me. And it's a powerful parable for the time it was used because for those of you that don't know or, or haven't read it, you know, it's about basically a son who wakes up one day and goes to his father and says, I want my share, I want what's mine and I'm going to leave, and I want to live my life, I'm gone. And why it's powerful for its time is because, you know, back then, sons didn't do that. Things were very tribal, things were very familial. You worked with your father, your father passed on to you his, his whatever it was, and then you took it up if it was a you know if you were shepherds you were did that if it was a farm you took it up and so for a son to say i want my inheritance i want it now and i'm gonna go was hard the jewish leaders of the day would be looking at this as <laughs> almost heresy how dare the son do this this is terrible and then what makes it even crazier for the Jewish leaders is the son comes back. And in the story, the son goes and he squanders all the money that he makes and, and he there's a famine that hits and he's not prepared and he decides that he wants to, to come back. And so a Jewish leader at the time would be like, no, he doesn't deserve to come back. But in the story, the father welcomes him with open arms. And Jesus is trying to show you sort of an image of God, and this is what God is. You know, God is a, is a father or a parent who, 
you know, will welcome you back, seeks you out, looks for you. Those type of things. And so I love it because I just imagine these Jewish leaders being like, what? No, that's not what it is. That's not right. The father shouldn't have done this. No, no, no. And just losing their minds over this. Um, and, uh, and then a lot of times when I read this, you know, all of our focus kind of gets on the sun. You know, it talks about how bad the sun is and all the things. And we would use it as like sin and, and repentance. And that's great because, you know, the sun and a lot of people's minds did, did wrong. And, and I think that we can attach ourselves to that too much. But for me, I don't know if it's because of the father that I had. It was very easy for me to, to just focus on the, the dad in this and to be sort of just always amazed and excited and, and, and loved imagining the way this dad just waited for his son. And so a few years ago, there was this song that came out and it was called Please Come Home by Dustin Kinsrew, who was the um, lead singer of a band called Thrice. And he wrote this song based on the story of the prodigal son. But the focus of it is he's kind of, it's kind of a song where it's like the father is singing to the son in the hopes that he'll come home. And so instead of reading the actual Bible message, I want to read the song. Because the song is, is, I mean, the first time I heard it, it was one of those times that, you know, when you listen to a song and you just play it back over and over and over again. So I just wanted to share it with you guys. And I recommend finding this wherever you get music and listening to this after. Because I just, I've, I've loved Dustin Kinstrew's voice. And I love this song. I've listened to it three times a day since I decided to do the communion message on this. So I'm going to read the, the song and then kind of talk about a couple of things. It says, well, I woke one morning and I found you staring down at me. You said, I'll take my share now, Father, please. And you took your money and you took your leave. You drilled my heart and turned your back on me. And you hit the town and you hit the bottle hard. You raced around in your fancy cars and you blow all your money on brothels, beds, and bars. And before you know it, your broken times get hard. Well, I still stand here waiting with my eyes fixed on the road. And I fight back tears and I wonder if you're ever coming home. Don't you know, son, that I love you? I don't care where you've been, so please come home. And now you've hit bottom. All those open doors have shut and your hungry stomach's tied in knots. But I know what you're thinking, that you've troubled me enough Nothing could ever separate you from my love. And I still stand here waiting with my eyes fixed on the road. And I fight back tears and I wonder if you're ever coming home. Don't you know, son, that I love you? And I don't care where you've been. Yes, and I'll be right here waiting till you come around the bend. And I run to you and I'll hold you close. 
I won't let go again. Please come home. Please come home. Don't you know, son, that I love you, and I don't care where you've been, so please come home. Now, when I heard this song, it really shifted how I read that parable. And when I had a kid, it really shifted how I read the parable. So, having a kid in this song, you know, it blew the parable open wide for me. And as we listen to the song, or the words to the song, you get this sense that the dad never stopped looking. Never stopped hoping for his son to return. And you know, I think about that with my kid a lot. And I'm getting ahead of myself, so I want to go back because you know, there's a couple of lines in the song that, that really kind of of st- they stick with me and you know one of them is when he, after he says I'll take my share now it says you drilled my heart and you turned your back on me and all of us can think of times that we've turned our back on our parents we've done things that have hurt them and i know that the son asking to leave was probably the hardest thing for this father to do, to let him go. But he did. And the chorus of the song where it says, I still stand here waiting with my eyes fixed on the road. I fight back tears and I wonder if you're ever coming home. Don't you know, son, that I love you and I don't care where you've been, so please come home. And in my head, as I think about this parable, I feel like what became a part of this father's daily ritual is just probably just, I don't know, getting his breakfast and then just standing for a few minutes, just looking, hoping, wishing that his son would come back. And and it's it's funny because, you know, he's hurt. But at the same time, all he seems to care about is that he just wants his kid to come back. And for those of you that are, are parents, I, you know, I wonder, you know, do you think that there's something that your kid could do that you would never let them come home again? Like, you just sit with that for a second and think about it. You know? Is there something? And for me, I, you know... It's hard to, to think about, sorry, it's hard to think about that. It's hard to believe that there would be something that I wouldn't welcome him back. And it, it hurts more to think about that. Because he, you know, we love our we love our kids, you know. We just want them home. We just want them around us, right? 
And so, so then we get to this point in it where it says, I know what you're thinking that you've troubled me enough, but nothing could ever separate you from my love. And I think when, when I, I think about things that I've done to my parents and, and how, like, I didn't want to come to them with things. I didn't want to say what I've done if, if I, <laughs> things I think about are when I, like, got in a car accident in my car because I was listening to music and not paying attention and I put a big dent in it and, and not wanting to come to my, my parents for that. And we're just so hard on ourselves. And, and what I think we're doing is we're the ones separating ourselves. We're the ones thinking that we can't. We're not allowed. There's, I don't know, we get identified with what we've done, the sin that we've done, and that we can't come back. We're just so hard on ourselves. And so... I think if something could separate us, is that separate us from our kids and not allow them to come home? Is that true love? You know, is that is that love at all? Or is it just a reward, consequence, obedience? But, you know, the son came back, came to his senses. He realized that he had nothing. And he comes back. And he comes back with this big old speech, like we've all, we've all said. I know what I'm gonna say to my parents when I come back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and that's gonna, you know, all this stuff. I have this speech prepared, and you know, I know that 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 I deserve to be punished. I deserve all these, these, this thing, you know, whatever it is that we've done. I deserve to be punished, and we make the big speech, and but he comes back, you know, and in the parable. He says, sorry, I put my Bible down. <clears throat> it says in verse 20, so he got up and went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe, put it on his, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calves, slaughter, let's celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And so... And in, the, and in the last, one of the last stanzas of the song, it says, I run to you and hold you close and won't let go again. So the father's doing what the son didn't think he would do. He's expecting the punishment because that's what would happen. You weren't, you weren't allowed back. And I think, I'm pretty sure that that was the custom with the religious leaders of the day. You know, you... you you leave, you don't get to come back. The father allowed him back. You know? And the thing is, I know that it surprised the son, but you, I always think about, like, the son? Why would the son come back? If this was how it was, why would he decide to come back? Why would he think this is... This is okay. 
So the son must have known something, right? The son must have known that it was safe to come back. The son must have known that, that there was, on some level, he could. And that's the power. I guess in the parable, what I'm trying to say is that the dad probably showed him. Yeah, I'm here. Come back. And this does so much more for me as a parent than it ever really did as, as just a quote-unquote Christian, whatever that means. You know, it's... it's it's, this, is the, this is the attitude that I want to have as a parent. And I know it's the most heartbreaking thing because our kids are going to leave, our kids are going to do things. You know? But there's so much power in that. So much power in the feeling that you have something to come back to. You know, you have a safe harbor. You have a place you can go. And that's what Jesus is trying to show, in my opinion, in this. He's trying to show through a father that that it's a God that seeks us out. That's a God that sees us. It's a God that loves us. It's a God that wants us. It's a God that is our safe harbor. And for a lot of us, we don't feel that way with God. It's because of, for me, it's because of a bunch of fucked up people that made me focus on my sin and my shame and my guilt. It made me think that there are things that I can't, that I won't be able to come back from. I won't be allowed back. You know, and my hope is that that we can, for those of you that are struggling with this thought or, or wanting to rebuild, that you can find a way to see that it's a God that, that is safe. It's a God that loves you, a God that wants you. If you didn't have that as a kid, I'm sorry. It hurts. Physical parents are, are, are with religion and God. I can't. Sorry, this is one of those things you talk about that just cuts the heart. Um, and so... We can rebuild. We can come back. It might be different. It might be, might not be the same, but we can come back. And my hope for that, for you guys is that that's the God that we, we engage with, that we can get through all the, the, the stuff that people say, how to do it, how to, how to be, what to believe, what to think, and just know that, 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 we can, we can take all that and just engage with God in a way that, because that's what God and the divine want. They want us to be a, to have a relationship, to engage, and then in turn engage with people this way. So, thank you all for listening. My hope is that you find 
ways to reconstruct in healthy and strong ways that deep that bring you deeper to transformation deeper to connection that lighten your load see you next week